This podcast is sponsored by Cloud Optimizer. As a business owner or IT manager, are your cloud investment costs going up and you don't know why? It's time for Cloud Optimizer. As you migrate your business to the cloud, what you're spending and why you're spending it can get a little hazy. But Cloud Optimizer clears up the mystery and puts the cloud to work for you. Cloud Optimizer starts by analyzing usage patterns, right-sizing resources, leveraging discounts you may not be aware of, implementing automation, and much more. And by reducing unnecessary expenses and maximizing performance, Cloud Optimizer guarantees you a savings of five times what you spend for their service. As you utilize cloud-based services more and more, you don't have to lose sight or control of your spend. You can stay agile, streamline your costs, and optimize your performance, plus save significant money with Cloud Optimizer. Make the cloud work for you with Cloud Optimizer. Get a free assessment and find out how much you can save by going to cloudoptimizer.com. Go to cloudoptimizer.com for your free assessment. That's cloudoptimizer.com. Here you go. Here you go. Mentality is the word of the day. It is Monday, September 25th, 2023. It is Yum Kipper. I hope those uh, have an easy fast who are fasting and atone for your sins and think about your year ahead. For those of you not working today, have a day. For those of you who are, have a day. But I'm going to talk about mentality without giving too much time to what I went through this weekend doing four miles every four hours for 48 hours. I want to start with the concept of mentality. When you have a challenge in front of you, that is a physical challenge, that is a mental challenge. It is all about your approach. The brain is the single most powerful organ in your body and I don't care, I'm not a doctor. I'm telling you the power of your brain to decide what your body can do. I have started believing in that since I these physical challenges became part of my life. And these physical challenges that I do when my best friend was diagnosed with Parkinson's when he was 38 years old, recognizing that we were going to raise money to find a cure for Brett Parker because he needs a cure. We wanted to come up with different things that we could do each year that would help raise awareness and raise money. He ran seven marathons in seven days on seven continents. We did it with a group of people and raised over a million dollars for 10 charities back in 2018. This past weekend, we did an event. It's the Dave Goggins, thank you Dave Goggins, came up with four miles every four hours for 48 hours. The sleep deprivation involved is nothing I've experienced and I don't sleep. For the people who do sleep, it is brutal. I'm fine with sleep deprivation, except when I don't sleep, I don't have to wake up or get out the door to do a four mile run every four hours. By the time you finish, you eat a little bit, you shower, you take care of the chafing, whatever, your blisters, and then you've got to start the routine and it goes on and on every four hours for two full days. A group of people descended upon Sag Harbor and decided that they were going to support Sag Harbor, New York, and they were going to support Brett Parker as he attempted to do this challenge, and they were going to be with him every step of the way. 
there was a tropical depression, there was rain, there was wind, there was grumpiness, there was frustration, there were tears, but the resolve, the mentality that we will not stop, we will not quit. I've spent 18 years in sports trying to talk about what that mentality is needed to win, the mentality to overcome adversity, and that's on the field. Forget all the adversity that we all have off the field. And we are very keen in sports to say he's mentally weak as a way to excuse poor physical performance. We are very loath to say, wow, he really overcame some mental adversity to perform on the field. And I must admit that I used to be that too, the mental part of the game. I never focused much on it at the start of my career. And as I got longer into baseball and spent more time with psychologists and therapists, I began to realize the power of the brain, the power of having a positive mentality, whatever you are fighting. My son, Caleb, is a junior in college. After the sixth run, his knee got hurt and he finished this challenge, the mentality of I am not going to stop. And he kept going with an inflamed knee where he could barely move. Mike Hill, the former president of baseball operations for the Marlins, now head of on-field for Major League Baseball. He and his fiance Priscilla came here and did 48 miles. Mike Hill's hip was the size of my head. And I don't mean the ego. And he continued every step of the way. Remember Gabriel Sanchez, our pick with the Marlins, our all-star, now a broadcaster for Fox Sports Florida, many other things. His wife, Judy, the adversity she's overcome. She came here with her daughters and one of her daughters, 11-year-old Sky, and Judy did the entire 48 miles through tears, through pain, through anguish, through wetness, through lack of preparation. They did not stop. Their mentality, their strength was something to behold. Ricky and Jane flew in from England. Stephanie and Matt, great marathoners, did this challenge, having never done anything like it. Will Manso, he of WPLG in Miami, not only did he do the 48-mile challenge, he then flew back yesterday and did a live show that night, last night at 11.30 p.m. Kara Nelson, a local varsity soccer coach from Sag Harbor. She coached soccer, got her soccer team to run with us for a segment, and did all 48 hours and 48 miles. Mitch Moser and Deb Carneal did the same coming from the Midwest. And I would like to thank all of the people who donated, all of the people who took the time to look at our posts and donate to the Michael J. Fox Foundation. Brett's family were superstars. The mentality of Brett Parker with Parkinson's, with Parkinson's doing 48 miles. We complained that we had problems with our bodies, 
Brett Barker lives with that every day. The rigidity of Parkinson's, the fear not knowing what tomorrow brings. And what he does is every day he brings it. I'm not sure how we're going to top what we did or raise even more money, but you know what? We're going to try because there is no cure for Parkinson's and we still have to find one. So when you're thinking about your day and when you are deciding what you're able to do and what you're not capable of doing in your own mind, both on the field or off the field, when you're facing adversity in a way that to you, ah, it's easier to do nothing. It'll go away. That's not exactly the mentality that I'm talking about this group having. That's not the mentality that you want from your team. That's not the mentality you want from your significant other, your children, your parents, your friends. I'm moving on to the next challenge. I don't know what it will be. We're doing a live show here this morning at 8 a.m. while everybody else is sleeping and they should be sleeping. But I wanted to do a show today to show you that it's Monday. It's a work day. You're loyal to us and we're loyal to you. The mentality that we have, that Matthew Coca has. Matthew Coca was so sick this weekend that he still was able to be a part of the challenge by sending us. He couldn't come and do it, but sent us food and drink and things that were necessary to fuel our bodies and fuel our minds. I am honored to have the people in my life who I do. I close the word of the day with one more message about mentality for athletes and for coaches and for team presidents and team owners. You don't need to have good hand-eye coordination. You don't need to be analytically intelligent. You don't need to have money. You don't need any of the things that you say you can't have because of your circumstance. And having everything you could ever want is wholly irrelevant to the concept of having a strong mentality. No more excuses, no more. All of us should show the grit that Brett Parker shows every day. All of us should show the grit that these athletes showed this weekend with me as we did this insane challenge. And when I looked and started catching up and preparing for today's show, and I looked at what was going on on the field in certain areas, certain games, and I thought back to the games that I was a part of as team president, I'm watching the football games and thinking about the show for today and working on it with Coco while having icing my knees, figuring out how to pop my blisters on my feet, working through stories. I'm looking at some of these teams and wondering, is that really the best you can do? The Chicago Bears I'm leading with today because they were part of a game that made me laugh yesterday. I used to think that the Bad News Bears would be reserved for a Little League baseball team in one of my favorite movies with my favorite sports coaches, Walter Matthau. But these Bears are way worse. They go into Kansas City, they're down 34 nothing at the half. Side note, Coca, I, this is terrible. We're not entertainment tonight. But are you kidding me? Taylor Swift going to the game and 
doing chest bumps and cheering. Is that your first date with Travis? Did the cameras know you were there? I love you, Taylor. I'm not a Swifty. I think it's amazing. Taylor, um, Kelsey, Travis, go for it. Why not? I'm all in. Walking out of the stadium together. I get it. Number one sports podcast, jealous. I get it all. But really, the Bears go into this game and they were overmatched everywhere. Specifically, on the defensive side of the ball. This is a team that under Justin Fields, they've, they basically lose every game. Their new coach, second year, Matt Eberflus, they've gotten, what are they, three and 17? They've lost 13 straight games, which is hard to imagine. There's probably like seven or eight coaches who have been a part of losing 13 straight games. He will not survive. He will not be there if the Bears ever turn it around. He had to call the defensive plays and his owner has to say to him after the game, I think we may need Allen Williams back, except they had to announce that Allen Williams can't come back, won't come back, gone because of quote unquote HR violations. Do you remember we talked about it at the end of last week? The defensive coordinator disappeared and remember we went through his whole statement where he talked about taking time for his health and family and we told you, ooh, that sounds a lot less like he's fighting cancer, God forbid, than it does than he's, that he's fighting something where he may have gotten caught doing something. Well, wouldn't you know it, they announced there were HR involvement. It's my favorite. Do you know what that's code for when there's human resources involvement? Just out of curiosity, what do you think it's code for when a man resigns from a job one second prior to being canned over quote unquote HR issues? So he's out. The Bears take the field, give up 34 points. Taylor Swift is going crazy. Justin Fields is forced to talk after the game to say, don't worry, the Lions started one and six and almost made the playoffs. It's only the third game of the season. Keep calm and carry on. It's all gonna be fine. And as team president, the only thing I'm doing after the game is I'm trying to figure out how on top of everything that went wrong, the Bears who play at Soldier Field were involved in a robbery. Yes, $100,000 worth of field equipment got taken from Soldier Field. Just a quick little thing about that when you run a stadium. You have outside perimeters and you have 24-hour security and there's cameras. They didn't steal autographed Justin Fields jerseys. They stole like maintenance equipment. John Deere type of stuff. The stuff that you do in order to keep your field and operate your stadium. Let me just help you here. You can't steal equipment from a stadium unless you break into the stadium. And you can't break into the stadium, steal equipment from the stadium without help from someone inside the stadium. 
Oh, don't talk to me about chain link cutters and climbing walls and Ocean's Eleven type stuff. This is an inside job, baby. As team president, I'm going and I'm saying, hey, it's not me. This wasn't about the Bears. We don't run the football stadium. We want to. We want to build one and run it in Arlington or wherever we can go, maybe the city of Chicago, but we're not in charge of security. That's not what I would be saying. If there were robbery at Pro Player, which I didn't operate, I would still say I'm in touch with the people who operate this stadium and we are making sure that the security of our players and fans is paramount. If it's at Marlins Park, which I do run, I'm going to say to the media, this is a complete lack of execution by the people, including me, who are in charge of keeping people and things safe and secure. You got to wear it. You know what? I'm going to do a wait to see on this. Let's do an official wait to see when I tell you something's going to happen. And if it does, great. If it doesn't, fine. I'll still revisit it. The document is on our website, davidsampsonpodcast.com. You can see them all. The stolen equipment at Soldier Field was an inside job. It'll come out. Don't you worry. The good news for all Bears fans is that they get to play the Broncos. <laughs> That's a positive. I wonder if the Bears or the Broncos had a worse weekend. The Denver Broncos are 0-3 under savior Sean Payton, the greatest available coach. All I've been thinking this weekend, not true. Let me start that again. 4-8-69. Once I was done with the 48 miles and I was wallowing in the physical misery I felt trying to celebrate my mentality for continuing to go step by step by step during the course of the weekend, I was thinking, did I have a better weekend than Sean Payton? The Broncos gave up a 70 spot to the Miami Dolphins. 70. Mike McDaniel could have gotten the record. They could have kicked a field goal and gotten 73 and set the record for the highest scoring game ever in the history of the NFL. And I'm only thinking about Bill Cower. Isn't that weird that that's the name that would come into my mind? Bill Cower, a highly regarded Super Bowl winning coach decides he's going to take some time he's going to recharge guess what he was the number one candidate to come back and run a team there were owners upon owners who would have given him the keys to the castle full control and he said you know what i'm much happier being behind the microphone i'm good i look better i feel better i'm gonna stay sean payton same thing Super Bowl winning coach says to himself, I got a chance here. He's behind the microphone. He's lobbing grenades toward other teams, including the team that he ends up taking over, including the team that he just gave up 70 points to. And he says, nah, I'm coming back. Look at all the money I can make. Look at how much fun it is. Everything's going to be great. I've got Walmart as my owner. They paid billions of dollars for the franchise. They'll give me everything I want. He is three games into his tenure. And look at him now.
bit. You said it's embarrassing, but this is kind of an historic game. I'm more. Third time the team has scored 70 points over 700. What's the question? I mean, what's the question? How do you feel about it being I just finished telling you. Historically embarrassing. Next question. <laughs> do you think that if Sean Payton had been that during his audition? to be a studio analyst that he would have gotten the job? Do you think that Sean Payton goes home after a game like that and says to himself, this is absolutely ridiculous. I wanna go home, mommy. I wanna get back behind the microphone. I just wanna talk about games. I don't wanna coach anymore. Things in Denver are very, very bad. There are things to do in Denver when you're dead and the Broncos are done. They're dead. So what do the schedule gods do? They give them the bears. Can you imagine how great a Broncos Bears game would be if the final score were three to three? And I would have said that'd be funny, except the Bears have a defensive problem. The Broncos have a defensive problem. So the over-under, I haven't seen the early line, Coca. My guess is the over-under is going to be 48, and maybe it should be 75, or maybe it should be 10. Because the loser of the Bronco-Bears game, I've got to assume that that's it. What is the over-under for that game? Is it out early? 46. All right, I was close and the Broncos are favored by a field goal. That's how bad it is in Chicago. I think we're gonna have to take nobody in that game. Or maybe just take the Bears and the points because the Broncos are so bad. I don't wanna take away from what the Dolphins did because for the Dolphin fans watching and listening to this show, and thank you for the, I think 11.6% of you, I, I get it. Two is an MVP candidate. The offense looks unbelievable. People are assuming their best team. They're going to be number one ranked. He'll be the top odds. I assume Coca, he is favored to win the MVP right now in the books, in the sports books. I assume their Super Bowl odds have increased. I assume that people are talking about them in the same vein as the Chiefs and the 49ers. I get it. I'm happy for Steve Ross and all Dolphins fans. Because wouldn't it be amazing just to win a playoff game? Just one time. Because then my son, who will be completely recovered from the 4-4-48 by the time this happens, who's a huge Dolphins fan, can finally say, hey, I'll have my first playoff game win since I was born. Something else happened over the weekend that I'd like to talk about. I get the Deion Sanders situation. I'm good with all the attention that Colorado got. I'm good. It's great for the game. It's good theater. It's good documentary material. It may even be a good scripted show. Who actually thought that Colorado was a top 25 team? I'm just throwing it out there. Can you PR your way into being good on the field? No. Can you PR your way into being bad on the field? Not likely but at least possible. Bringing in a celebrity coach, having him become more popular than Jesus, winning some games to start, having millions and millions of people watch, going on 60 minutes. I'm in, I'm in for all of it. 
having your son as a Heisman Trophy candidate, and he's good as a quarterback, all of these great things. None of it means a thing when you start playing teams who are actually good. And the Colorado Oryx Buffaloes finally played a good team this past weekend and got spanked. And the highlight of the game for me was the coach of Oregon, who with cameras rolling was pumping up his team and said, they are fighting for clicks. We are fighting for wins. That may be one of the most stinging comments you can make about Colorado, and I'm all here for it. But what I'm not here for is the new thing. I love access for for you as fans. I want you to see what goes on behind the scenes. We did a reality show in Florida, so I get it. There is one thing that I never really wanted to be filmed, and that is team meetings. The reason I didn't want team meetings to be filmed is that coaches are not themselves during a team meeting that is being filmed. And it is now a thing and you're seeing it everywhere. It's like a proliferation of ant bites when you sat on a fire, on an anthill, a fire anthill. It starts, you look, and there's nothing you can do. The train has left the station, the bumps and the itching are coming. Cameras are capturing these pregame pump-ups, Gene Hackman style, Denzel Washington style, Al Pacino style. They are catching the post-game where the game balls are being given out. It's become theater. And I love theater. However, those pre-game motivational speeches, they're actually important for what you're trying to accomplish on the field or on the mound or in the diamond, on the diamond that particular day. When there's something going on in a game or something going on where you are in a season, when you get your players together before you take the field, you don't do it every game because then the players start tuning it out. It is a weapon to be used sparingly because that's how you don't have it lose its effectiveness. But now... There are these hype up, pump up, crazy meetings, game ball celebrations that are made for TV events. I'm glad that the Oregon coach did it. It was great theater. They crushed Colorado, so we can say it worked. But over the long haul, the effectiveness of these modes of communicating is going to decrease. So here's what's now going to happen. The pregame speeches, the postgame stuff that you see, it's really going to be nothing. It's going to be staged. It's going to be there for TV only. It'll be for headlines. It will be for clicks. What teams are going to do is add yet another layer of meeting because a closed door meeting, no cameras allowed, sometimes no front office allowed, presidents, GMs, Coaches, managers are going to realize that we've lost what we really needed to do. So we're just going to do it 
before we do the thing that we do for you. That's just a waste of time. That said, that was one hell of a speech by that coach. They're fighting for clicks. All right, we come back. Great news for everyone but me. Although it really is great news for me, I take it back. Well, because our show's not written. We have no writers on this show. It's just me and Coca. Coca and I, just the two of us. We can make it if we try. We come back while you were sleeping. We got ourselves an agreement. We're back, baby, almost in Hollywood. We'll be right back. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SAMSON. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SAMSON. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino Resort in Kansas. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Quentin, Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Welcome back. It is David Sampson live 8 a.m. on the Nothing Personal with David Sampson YouTube channel. Thank you for rating, reviewing, subscribing, spreading the word about our show. We come to you every day. I watch a movie every day, and I know what you're about to ask. Did you watch a movie every day during the challenge? How did you do it? Yes, I did. I didn't tell you that I watch a new movie every day, though I normally do, but I also watch a TV series and review those. And if I watch several episodes of a TV series, that is sort of like a movie. It is a movie. What were my movies of choice during the 48-hour challenge? I wonder whether you could guess them. Wedding Crashers, day one, and Old School, day two. I just didn't want anything very deep, and I wanted to really laugh. And I did. But that's not what I'm reviewing. Last night, you know that there's been a writer's strike and a sag after the actors the performers and the writers have been on strike, which is why there's a proliferation of all the reality TV, the 90-minute episodes of Survivor, which debuts this Wednesday, the next season. The writers and the studio settled overnight, which means the writers will be going back to work. They announced it as a tentative agreement that was reached. Tentative agreement when you've got a situation between labor and management is that you have an agreement on the points, You've just got to codify it and you've got to actually get official votes by the union to approve the deal. So they have not yet gotten the votes, but once the negotiating team has a tentative agreement, there is enough communication that happens with the masses that there will be a positive vote and this strike will be over and writers will get back to work, which means that Drew Barrymore can start her show again. Hallelujah. Late night talk shows, 
They can't have SAG guests, but they will be back. So what about the actors? Here's a little nugget. SAG-AFTRA and the studios will have an agreement in very short order. When you're the studios and you're negotiating with two unions which are on strike, it is way better to divide and conquer. Instead of trying to get a collective agreement where both sides, who are both striking unions, negotiate simultaneously and finish simultaneously, way too difficult. The best thing to do is get one of them done, choose which one you have the best chance of getting a deal with, get it done, and that will lessen the resolve of the remaining union on strike. The studios solve the issues with the writers, will now go to the performers and say, look, we've done it with the directors, we've done it with the writers, you're last. If you don't wanna do this deal, that's fine. All the people in that union, directors and writers, will have nobody to perform the things they write. And if nobody's performing the things that they write, they're not gonna be paid to write anything. SAG-AFTRA will get terms that are similar to what the writers got. They will get their issues, their AI issues, their streaming residual issues. They will get taken care of sufficiently and that strike will come to an end in short order. It is great news for Hollywood. It is great news for local economies where filming takes place. It's great news for workers who are impacted by the strike. That's what Bill Maher and Drew Barrymore were trying to do, was keep giving work to people who weren't on strike. Didn't, it didn't work, it backfired. But I understand the concept. Totally ineffective in the execution, but I understand the concept. Both of these strikes will be done as we said it would be the fall when it started, we are now in the fall. We said when it started, this will be solved around the fall, maybe around the first of the year. Everything is happening exactly as we expected it to happen because that is the calendar. We are now in prime hours filling season where the bank of content and original content that was available by the studios is declining where the pain of not getting paychecks is increasing, and therein you find commonality. The commonality of interest is when both sides feel enough pain, everybody seeks pleasure. Okay. Oh, Coca, this is so good. Play the music, please. You know what I want? I want to talk to Samson. So you want to talk to Samson. That is from the movie Half-Baked, brilliantly written, brilliantly acted, and fantastically directed. There's a character named Samson, and people want to talk to him. So if you want to talk to me, David P. Samson on X, is it now time to switch over to that? I guess it is. Instagram and davidsampsonpodcast.com. By the way, all of you who donated over $250, and I've got the list, uh, after we made that deal with you last Friday or Thursday before the challenge started, the 48-mile challenge, I said if you donate and this offer still stands from that day forward, which was last Thursday, let's say, if you donate over $250, contact us on davidsampsonpodcast.com. We will send you some free nothing personal merch. 
and one of you did the donation of the money and donated the merch, not because you don't like it, but you said, why don't you give the merch to people who contact you, who want it, love it, love you, but can't afford it. I'm doing that too for you. So that's how you can reach me. And once in a while, one of the questions will make the show. I'll answer some of them offline and some of them I'll read but can't answer. Some of them I won't read because that's the nature of only 24 hours in a day for an insomniac. David, how did you handle gifts to retiring superstars? Did Oakland not spend enough money? This is a story that got viral over the weekend. We're talking about Miguel Cabrera, the former Florida Marlin world champion, who's retiring as a member of the Detroit Tigers, a certain first ballot Hall of Famer. No one like him. There are some people who retire and fade into oblivion and they're there one minute and they're gone the next. There's some people who do an entire tour. It's the farewell tour. They go around, they get jerseys, they exchange jerseys. Everybody knows they get presents. What do you do when you are a team hosting a superstar for the final time in your home city? That happened to me plenty. There were many times as president of the Marlins where there was something to honor. And I would say, why do we have to do that? Put, a, put something on the board. Congratulations. How about in-game entertainment people do a little video montage of some highlights of the guy's career. See you later. The people we did that to were the people who we weren't particularly fond of, who had done something to wrong the Marlins at some point, not us personally, something on the field, something competitive, the competitive nature. Maybe in the front office, they wouldn't agree to game time changes, whatever the case may be. There are plenty of reasons to be spiteful and petty. And the amount of spite and pettiness within Major League Baseball and within sports in general He's large, but Miguel Cabrera is going around and he's getting different sorts of presents from different teams. What exactly did he get from the Oakland A's? A bottle of Camus, a $100 bottle of wine presented to him. Congratulations on your retirement. By the way, the team signed it. And the Oakland A's are getting pilloried. Those cheap bastards of baseball. That's what they did a bottle of wine? Are they supposed to get him a car? Now I understand the sensitivity given the fact that Miguel Cabrera is rumored to have had some issues with alcohol. Why get him alcohol? You don't get an addict drugs as a retirement present. Hey, what a great career. Here's a needle to remember us by, but we signed it. Owners do not get involved in that unless they choose to, and most of them don't. Team presidents get involved every time. The president of the Oakland A's and the president of the other 29 teams knew exactly what they were going to do for Miguel Cabrera. It got to their desk, I assure you, and they decided, is, the, is it enough? Is it not enough? Is it appropriate? Is it funny? Is it ironic? Is it meaningful? The amount of free stuff that players and executives get that they then give away to people who love to have it, but they don't keep it, but they're still thankful they got it. 
it's quite significant. A signed bottle of Camus, damn cool. Will Miguel keep it and display it? Absolutely not. He got so many gifts for retiring that were not totally dissimilar. Not wholly expensive. Accompanied by charitable donations in his honor. That was my kind of gift. When you make a donation in honor of a player, you're doing it from your foundation, which has to make minimum donations every single year anyway. So to do a donation in honor of a player, it makes no difference. It doesn't change the economics. It's not more money out of your pocket. You've budgeted what your foundation is going to be donating, both in kind, in service, and financially. Cold, hard cash. So if you take a look at what teams do, very often they will do donations from their fund in honor of that player. And then they'll do some sort of gift. If, however, you're Pat Riley, you retire Jordan's number, hey, that's a gift. There are scenarios where that player was significant. The Florida Marlins should have done something quite significant for Miguel Cabrera as a retirement present. We can quibble over what they did. And I can tell you that my personal connection with Miguel would have indicated that we would have done something quite personal. If you Google what we did for Ichiro upon getting his 3,000th hit as a Marlin, that's personal. The reason why I am not up in arms over what Oakland did at all is that what exactly do you think of with Miguel Cabrera and the Oakland A's? Anything? Does anything come to mind? Oh, he had that great game in 2013. I'm making that up. Remember the time he hit that homer way over there? When you're dealing with gifts for players, you do it according to connection to players. So all of the people piling on Oakland a, it's not meaningful to the people in Oakland who are running the team, but B, it's totally misguided. And I'd love to come out against John Fisher, but not for this. Nothing personal pick of the day. Friday, what a series. Mariners, Rangers, guess what? The Rangers are winning again under Bochi. We lost that really badly, 0-1. Saturday, the Marlins beat the Brewers in a potential playoff preview. We're 1-1. One one. I'm going into yesterday's games. The challenge is over. It's the second game, the 4 o'clock game, Eastern. Everybody's passed out. And I'm thinking, I got a game to watch. Cowboys, Cardinals. I want to have a winning weekend. The Cowboys, the best team, they're only giving, what, 12 and a half? This is a piece of cake. Jonathan Gannon got his first career victory without Kyler Murray. First career victory, period. And they ended up beating the Cowboys straight up. Football's a funny sport like any other sport. We're so quick to celebrate and we're so quick to build up and then so thrilled to tear down. And then totally indiscriminately willing to build back up. 
Are the Cowboys as bad as they looked yesterday? Or are they as good as they looked against the Giants in week one? My answer is the same with any sport. Neither. You are never as good as your best look. You are never as bad as your worst look. Is it so outrageous that the Cardinals won that game straight up? Only in that we lost our pick of the day, not for any other particular reason. Upsets happen. That is why it's called a survivor pool. That's why it's called gambling. You just don't know. So I take the loss. I hold my head up high. And I give you Monday's pick. We're going back to the Mariners. What a game we have. What a series we have. These Mariners, they went from playing the Rangers. Now they're playing the Astros. They're a half game behind the Astros. Everyone's fighting for a playoff spot in a division title between Texas, Seattle, and Houston. Somebody's going to be left holding the bag unless Toronto takes a complete crap the last week of the season. We are a week away from Major League Baseball playoffs, and there's a lot of uncertainty. One bit of uncertainty that does not exist, the Yankees are not making the playoffs. They could still finish above 500, which would be amazing, but no playoffs. The Padres have a very easy path to the playoffs in the National League wildcard race. They have to win every game and teams have to lose every game. Okay, not happening. But the Mariners and the Astros going at it tonight, you wanna watch a game? Two Cy Young candidates, Luis Castillo and a Cy Young winner, Justin Verlander. The Astros under Dusty Baker, the reigning World Series champions, trying to get back into the playoffs, have been limping. I think they're one, two and seven against the Royals and Athletics in the past week, which is really not so good. The Astros are in danger of missing the playoffs but I still think Castillo's a better pitcher than Verlander, which is why we're taking the Mariners over the Astros, which is not to say I'm changing my pick of the Astros getting out of the American League, because I can't change my pick. That was my pick for the season. But for tonight, we're going with the Mariners over the Astros. Well, thank you for taking the time to be with me. Whatever it is you're doing for the rest of the day, do it safely, do it well. My plan right now is to go back to sleep. It's just business. This is nothing personal.